You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today it is the turn of the Minnesota Vikings to uh, to get theirs. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to get it a little bit. But I want to catch up on a couple different things that we've been uh, skating past. The first thing I wanted to touch on really quickly is the situation in Carolina. Um, I don't know how many examples we need of disastrous owners for Packer fans. I mean, 90%, I think, appreciate that we don't have an owner. But there, there is a strong contingent of, I want the dictator in the room to simply pull the trigger on things that need to get done. Granted, that's exactly what owners do, and they suck at it, and that's exactly the problem. But... I just, it's its unbelievable how bad these guys are at what they do. How did you make all that money and you're so stupid? I don't understand. I mean, you look at this situation in Indianapolis. I mean, that's that's a terror. I, I don't even like commenting on it because that owner clearly has some issues. Like, he's not okay. And I feel bad going in and being like, this guy's a freaking idiot, this, that, or the other. And it's like, well, he has, you know addiction issues and everything else like I, I just I don't want to get into that mess I don't know what he's got going on but it's not good and he shouldn't be running a football team you got Washington obviously a massive mess the Jets are a mess and Jets fans hate their owner Woody Chicago they hate the the McCaskies there was a press conference that it, it took me a while to fully understand how bad this was Dave Tepper talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. First of all, it's worth noting that Frank Reich was fired, the coach of the Carolina Panthers. Frank, listen, maybe he should have been fired. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I always had respect for Frank Reich. Um, I thought he did a good job in Indianapolis, and in fact, he was fired there, and there was a big uproar about that in terms of like feeling like that was the exact wrong thing to do. And then he goes to Carolina, and it's a disaster. And a big part of that has to do with the leadership picking the wrong quarterback. And apparently Frank Reich had a hand in that. But, I mean, the the team is a dysfunctional disaster. And you're giving this guy 11 games to fix it. And it's not fixed, and he gets fired. It is the shortest tenure of any head coach since 1978. That is just such a wild level of disrespect to me. Why would you hire a guy, unless there's some other stuff going on behind the scenes, but I doubt it. Why would you hire a guy and not give them any time to fix anything? The The worst part about this, though, is, so just so we're all clear, the Panthers made a massive trade to the Chicago Bears. 
Obviously, you trade up from wherever they were to number one. You got to give up quite a bit. It was a I think multiple first round picks. Uh, your your only competent offensive player aside from Christian McCaffrey, who you already gave away. Which again, you give away DJ Moore. You give away um, Christian McCaffrey, and then you hire a guy to come in and be like, "Hey, we have no talent. Make this work." And then after eleven games of being bad at football, you're like, "You suck. Get out of here!" Like, what? You're an idiot. You have to give these people time. And in the case of Frank Reich, give him a little bit of talent to work with. But anyways, they trade up. And with the number one pick, they took Bryce Young. Apparently, there was a trade in place, which I don't fully understand, but it was going to be a three-way trade that ultimately put Carolina at pick two. The Texans, I believe, were going to be the number one pick. They were going to take Bryce Young, and the Panthers are going to end up with C.J. Stroud. This is according to Tepper. That's what they thought was going to happen. That deal fell through. They ended up trading up to number one, and instead of taking Stroud, which they thought they were going to be quote-unquote stuck with, they go with Bryce Young. Now, here's the insane part to me. Let me just, let me just play this for you. Uh, this is Dave Tepper. It's just a minute and a half long. Um, now, it's been reported, and we talked about it. Originally, we were going to go to the number two pick, and, and uh, we thought we'd get CJ because we thought the Texans were going to pick Bryce. And listen, we preferred Bryce. He was our number one pick. We had a lot of conviction. Um, but uh, First of all, right out of the gate. Listen to how he's speaking like in the past tense, and listen to how he speaks about his current court. Like, this is done. You currently have Bryce as your starting quarterback. He's your guy. And you're talking about, listen, at the time we had conviction, like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know, in answer to your questions, it's just not the way the process was done. The process was done the way the process was done. And again, even though if there was a process with five people in the room and, four, and the way the votes came in, it was Frank was the first choice, I always could veto that choice. And even if it was Bryce and the votes came in unanimously in this particular case, I could have vetoed that choice. So just so we're all caught up, what he's saying is everybody in the room wanted Bryce Young. Everybody, including Frank Reich, right? They wanted Bryce Young. And he's saying that in this case, that is exactly what happened. There There were four votes that I guess matter. Every single one of them said they want Bryce. And he's saying he has, as the owner, the ability to usurp that and say, nope, I want CJ. In both cases, I supported both choices, okay? I'm just going to say that I supported both choices. I supported the coaches. I supported the scouts, their unanimous opinion. Um, and I supported uh, Frank Wright. So um, whatever's good, bad, or indifferent is ultimately because the buck stops here and I take full responsibility for everything. Bro. First of all, let, let, let's just call it what it is. It appears to me that Dave Tepper is furious right now. That and and maybe he wanted C.J. Stroud. That's that would just make it even worse if he felt like C.J. Stroud was the guy. But everybody unanimously said Bryce, and C.J. Stroud is with the Texans, absolutely carving up the league. And Bryce Young is literally via PFF the worst quarterback in football right now. Of course, that can change. And if you were a patient man, as you should be, you would wait and see how it how it goes. You would try to develop him as best as you can. Ideally, you would try to build around him and you would move forward with that game plan. We need to protect him. We need to, uh, the, the biggest thing is to prop him up. 
That would be the number one thing. We need him to build up his confidence and assure him that he is our future and we're going to build around him. Instead, Dave Tepper starts firing everybody that voted for Bryce Young because you bunch of freaking idiots ruined this for me. So the head coach gets fired because there you go. Nice, nice, nice vote, Jagoff. Enjoy unemployment. And then he goes out in front of the media and says, ultimately, this is my fault, right? This is my fault that we're stuck with Bryce Young, is what he's saying. The buck stops with me. I'm the one that was responsible for this ultimately. However, I'm going to fire them for making this choice. But, you know, shame on me for not interjecting and, and making the better decision and having the better judgment. Dude, he's your current quarterback, and you're going out there apologizing for drafting the wrong quarterback. And he, he goes on to try to fix it at the end, but it's, it's like, come on, dude. The damage is done. You're so full of crap. But that's the way the process runs. And just one last thing, and then we're going to go here. As far as Bryce Young is concerned, I cannot say this, you know, for myself, and I think everybody in this building would share this sentiment. We are totally confident in that pick. Okay, I think the people that made that pick first, um, you know, would be totally confident in that. Um, you know, the ones that are still here that haven't been fired for making the pick? <laughs> Some of them you could ask. Some of okay. them. Um, and I think the, um, and, and for me, I'm totally confident in agreeing with that pick. Even the way he said it, it's like he can't even bring himself to lie how pissed off he is. He, he, so what did he say specifically? He said, he never said he's confident in the pick. He said, there are people in this building who made the pick. Some of them you can ask, right? Because some of them have been fired for making that pick. And if you ask them, they'll tell you that they're still confident in that pick. And as for me, I'm confident in agreeing with that pick. In other words, I still believe that I did the right thing in not overthrowing my entire staff. And you know what? He's right about that. He was right to not step in and say, all these people I hire agree on something. They're the football people. They would know. However, I'm going to step in and overthrow all of this. Um, maybe, maybe you hired the wrong people. I don't know. But you don't want to be a guy that steps in and does that. But notice he never said, I am confident in Bryce Young. Now, if, if you're a pro owner guy, you can look at this and say, see, that's exactly, you know, that's why you need to know. He should have stepped. No, he shouldn't. If you hire an entire staff of football people who dedicate their entire lives to scouting, and then at the, at the moment when they are going to earn their paycheck, you're like, nah, I watched a cup. I watched YouTube videos. I want CJ Shroud. And you're not very smart. Yes, once in a while, that's going to happen. Just like once in a while, fans are going to say, I really like this guy and the team will go in a different direction and the guy that you like is actually better. Of course, once in a while, that's going to happen. But the, the, the point of this is, how are you an owner of a team and don't have the, don't you have an entire staff that's talking about what you should be saying, what you shouldn't be saying? Who vetted this? Who said it would be a good idea to go out there and apologize for getting Bryce Young and saying, ultimately, it's not my fault, even though, you know, the buck stops here, but let's be clear, not my fault. They all unanimously said that they wanted him. I didn't want him, but I supported them. And look, I still think I did the right thing in supporting them, and some people here still think he's the right guy, and so that's where we're at. What a crock of crap. Dude, that poor freaking quarterback. You think he's going to be supported in that building? The owner is pissed that you got drafted. He's firing people that believed in you. And if they hadn't given away their first-round pick, guaranteed they'd be drafting a new quarterback, but the Bears will be taking that quarterback. So Tepper has to watch as C.J. Stroud goes to a different team, 
and then does well, and then is going to have to sit and watch as their other pick is going to be another quarterback that's probably going to go on to do better things than Bryce, unfortunately. But, I mean, if you can't control your emotions, don't do a press conference. Sit in your office and throw a pity party. It's unbelievable that he's going to come out and say the things he says. All right, let's get into a couple different Packer things here. Um, First of all, shout out to at C. Coles on Twitter for uh, bringing up this little gem, something we absolutely need to be rooting for. He says, Jordan Love, fresh off the bench for the past three seasons, needs to average 233 yards passing per game for the next six weeks, and he'll have 4,000 yards passing in his first season as a starter. The Chicago Bears have been around since 1920, and none of their quarterbacks have ever accomplished this. 233 is pretty hefty on average. I mean, he's cracked 300, but Green Bay right now is sitting at 222 passing yards per game, so it's a little bit under that. Um, 12 teams are at or above that right now. So, uh, but I mean, that's the, the, to be able to have Jordan Love crack 4,000 yards and to look at Chicago and be like, dude, why do you think this is hard? Like, this is, it's not even that hard, bro. Like, this is standard. Everybody cracks 4,000. That's, it's just what you do. Like, you haven't, you've never done that. Fields hasn't done that. Nobody ever has done that. I don't even need it for Jordan. It'd be nice for Jordan. Be a good sign that he finished the year strong. That'd be fantastic. 4,000 plus yards, great. I need it so that I can be insufferable against Bears fans for another year. Bears fans who are super high on Justin Fields, talking so much trash about Jordan Love and how Fields is significantly better and all this stuff, to have Jordan Love come out and do what no Bears quarterback has ever been able to do, including their god Justin Fields, and do it in his first year while struggling through the whole year. Oh, 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 oh. So 233 is that number. I got to remember that every single game. I got to get that tattooed into my forehead. 233. Got to get to 233. All right, I want to rip through a couple of other Packers things here. One of them is a uh, pretty cool story written up at Packers.com by Wes Hodkowitz, titled, Packers Rookie Receivers Continue to Go the Extra Mile. The article starts off, last summer, a group of young and hungry Packers receivers flew out to California to run routes for Jordan Love and spend some time with their new starting quarterback. As the 2023 season enters the December stretch, the Green Bay uh, receiving core hasn't stopped going the extra mile to build chemistry and camaraderie with Love. For the past month, Love and the Whiteouts have met on their own to take stock in the Packers offense and discuss the upcoming opponent. The idea was thrown out by players in the midst of the team's four-game losing streak earlier this season. So, I mean, that's that's fantastic to hear. I mean, it, it's not super surprising, I guess, considering this is sort of what we liked about this group from the beginning. It would be kind of odd if they were all in on being awesome in the offseason and then trying to be awesome during the regular season is like, nah, I'd rather just sit around and play video games. But it's good to get confirmation about it that, you know, especially when things weren't going right, it's like we got to put in a little bit extra. And we heard about Jordan doing that in college. Right when things started going south, Jordan was like, "All right, we we you know you're coming over to my house. We're working on this." And there were times where he'd have he'd go pick people up if they couldn't drive or make it or whatever. He'd go get them and collect them and bring them back. It says uh, rookie receiver Jaden Reed feels the Tuesday get-togethers between Love and the receivers have contributed to the offense's progress. Quote, "Quote, I think that helps tremendously. Just uh, just us understanding where everyone is coming from." Reed said. 
We're seeing everything from the same eye when we go out there and play our opponent. Definitely, uh, definitely is the main reason we've shown development and the way we prepare. We practice hard, we follow the game plan, and we're doing much better executing. Goes on to say, Wicks agrees with Reed that the extra mile meeting time with Love has helped Green Bay's young wideouts get on the same page as their quarterback. There's a free-flowing exchange of ideas, which has also promoted team bonding and cohesion. Quote, just talking to the quarterback, we know what he wants. We know what he's looking for, Wicks said. We just have to, uh, we just make our routes based off of that. We know the plays going into the week. So just studying that more and knowing the details and routes and blocking we got to do. And again, all this makes sense because there's a route, but it's not that simple. Like not all routes are created equal because the route is tied to timing. And that's also tied to the defense. So based on what the defense is doing, pre-snap, but also post-snap, and based on the timing and, and angles, right? I mean, if you're running a route that isn't just a, you know, in or, you know, something that's parallel, there's, there's angles, there's speed, there's timing, there's rhythm. And it's hard even for a quarterback to be a- a- accurate. And I don't want to excuse a lot of these throws because some of them are just bad. But there are going to be times when, you know, Jordan is trying to work as a robot and just throwing to a spot at a certain time, and there's nobody there, and it's like, well, I mean, I get that that's not where you were, and I probably should have thrown it to a different spot, but that's at the same time where you probably should have been. So let's work on getting you to the right spot at the right time. Packers coaches have noticed a difference too. Earlier this month, receivers coach slash pass game coordinator Jason Vrabel remarked the team was having its best practices during that time in Green Bay. Following Monday's bonus practice, Rabel praised his wideouts for how they've attacked various points of emphasis throughout the year, but also reminded them that they, quote, have to set the standard. That isn't always making a big catch either. Sometimes it's as simple as uh, a receiver running 20 yards downfield to pick up a teammate after a run or a catch. There's just an energy and total belief in one another that's special, and it's showing up more and more and more, Rabel said. The excitement on the sideline during the Detroit game when someone else makes a catch, that stuff is infectious. Confidence is contagious, and so is winning, and you can see our guys starting to build that nucleus. And I love stories like this because I need something concrete to believe in. You know, because so much of of sports, so much of the NFL is random, right? Somebody having a good day or a bad day on a week-to-week basis is useless information. If you just showed me, like, here's a list of 10 guys and how they did, and then say, okay, who are the good players? Like, I don't know. Like, well, do you think the guys who did, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would pick that just because there's a higher odds that the guy who did well does that more consistently. Like if he does that nine out of, if there's a guy that's good nine out of 10 times, odds are he had a good game this week, but I don't know that he did. You know, I I don't know. Stuff like this gives you a reason to believe that what we're seeing is real. They're not just getting better because they're in a, just one of those patches, you know, just happen to be, you know, sometimes bad teams play well. Sometimes, I mean, again, we saw the defense play well last year and then they started off bad this year and now they're good again. And it's like, can I believe it? Can I trust in it? I don't know. You know, the Packers offense last year, it was kind of rough and then it got good, but then it sucked in the end. And it, what if Rodgers and we ran it back in 2023? Do we believe that they'd be good? I don't. I didn't have faith in it. So when you see the bad, and then good things happen. It's like, I, I, I don't know that when we go out on the field, these balls aren't just going to be dropped and thrown over people's heads and underthrown, picked, misblocked, da 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 But this is, is pointing to there's a reason that things are getting better. Number one is, is them meeting together, which means that 
the timing and the rhythm and all that is working. And when that happens in concert with good play calling, that you're going to have guys open who get the ball thrown to them and caught. And, and congratulations, you have had a successful play. And those things happen more often. And when those things happen more often, you get more scoring. And more scoring means more points, which means more wins. But then there's also the confidence and and getting guys to understand that part of it. And then you start to see what you saw in Detroit, which is not just efficiency, but energy. Which, I mean, could get super nerdy, but those are two different things in terms of, you know, power generation. There's how much energy you have to begin with, and then there's the efficiency of the transfer of the energy. Never mind, that's stupid, who cares? But the bottom line is, if you want to get the maximum amount of energy to a spot, you, you, it's, it's a combination of the two things. You can be all jacked up and energetic, but if you're not efficient and you suck, none of it's going to get to the end result. You can be hyper-efficient, but if you have no energy to begin with, you're efficiently sending nothing to the other side, and there's no loss, but you suck, so it doesn't matter. It's the combination of having the intensity and having the aggressiveness, but also just being very, very good at your craft. And it's the coming together of those things that's causing the offense to get better, at least in theory. I'm not trying to promise you everything's going to be wonderful, but again, this is important because otherwise it's just kind of a thing that's happening. And we can postulate, well, you know, I mean, they get better over time, so it's been time, so with time comes better. And it's like, well, that's a nice thing to say, but that's not correct. And we can't just add time to things and assume that that fixes everything. So I don't know. I, it's 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 better for me to be able to hear things like this. So I'm very excited that they're starting to figure it out. And um, in that same vein, actually, let me take a break. I need to speed this up a little bit because I want to try to hammer in a couple different things here. But why don't we take our first break, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddies, where you can uh, support the podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so talking about, you know, starting to have belief and all these kinds of things, there is uh, Kevin Cole. I've referenced him before. He has a YouTube channel. He has a Substack, which I subscribe to. It doesn't cost a ton of money, but if you wanted to, you could go there. Otherwise, again, he has a YouTube channel where he talks about a lot of this stuff. But one of the things he does every single week is called the Bayesian quarterback rankings. Bayesian, whatever. If you just Google it, it says Bayesian analysis, a mathematic, uh, a method of statistical inference that allows one to combine prior information about a population parameter with evidence from information contained in a sample to guide the statistical inference process. This is why I don't go to school anymore. I hated school because it's like, why do you say things so stupid? Like, I know if I broke that down, I could understand it. But the way you wrote it, I'm never going to understand that. I actually, I remember I, when I was going to school in Whitewater, I remember because I, I'm confident I have like ADD issues. Like, I, I really have a hard time with stuff. But I, I was reading through it and I couldn't understand it. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's just break down this one paragraph. And I broke down every single word in that thing. And it was like the most basic thing in the world. But they use all these big, giant, ridiculous, like the sentence, the way that they structured it, like, you are a D-bag. Like, these are written by, like, multiple PhD people trying to show off. And it's like, bro, I don't need you to explain to me how smart you are. I need you to teach me how to do this crap. You're a jag-off for writing this paragraph like this. Because as smart as you made it sound, this is, like, common sense stuff. Freaking idiot. But anyways... Uh, Kevin Cole, presumably mathematics guy, big stats guy, whatever, uh, created the Bayesian quarterback rankings. And um, if you just track this, so he actually has Jordan Love sitting currently 16th in his Bayesian quarterback rankings. But Jordan Love has actually the biggest jump of any quarterback. So everybody on here is either 0, 1, negative uh, 1, or negative 2. And there's only Sam Howell and Tim Boyle are negative two. And that's that's the change, how much they jumped, how much they moved. So Jordan Love is the only one that has moved up two spots um, on this ranking system. But here is what he had to write about um, Jordan Love. There's a couple different things. He says, as someone with a strong EPA over grading lean, in other words, PFF compared to EPA, he leans EPA. When they're in dispute, I'm very intrigued by Jordan Love. I was skeptical of his early season efficiency based on a small sample of big plays with bad accuracy as measured by CPOE, which again, we talked about that. He has extremely high EPA, but extremely low CPOE. It was a very weird thing. His mid-season efficiency got worse, but a lot of the underlying fundamentals were steady. Now he's been good by the numbers and fundamentals the last few weeks, posting significantly positive EPA in four straight games with positive CPOE in three of four. He's kept the negative low while generating most of his EPA through air yards, not relying on receiver yards after the catch base scheming, which he's identifying as sort of a, maybe a weakness in EPA. If you have a quarterback, for example, that throws a screen pass that goes for 40 yards, I don't know how EPA generates that or whatever, but the point is all that he's generating is through his arm. It's not getting help from the receivers. I mean, apart from the catching part. 
He goes on to say, I'm not declaring Love the answer for the Packers, but I would be okay with them passing on quarterback in the first round of the draft if Love keeps up this level of and style of play going into the offseason. And this is all from someone who is a Love skeptic coming into the season, mostly due to the simple low base rate associated with quarterbacks working out, which is the, a smarter way of saying what I've been saying for a long time, which is I was skeptical of Jordan Love mostly because most quarterbacks just don't pan out. Next part, it talks about Jordan Love. And again, there's there's three tables. There's the, the top 10 guys. There's the middle guys, which is where Jordan Love is. He's in the middle of the middle. Then you got the guys all at the bottom, which uh, Justin Fields is in, which is hilarious. He's at the top of the bottom, but it's still funny that he's in that category. And Jordan Love, by the way, was in that bottom one, which is why it's you look at 16th and it's like, that's not great. It's like, no, you don't understand. He is rising. But it says not a whole lot going on the rankings in the uh, middle of the table other than the ascension of Jordan Love. He's up to 11th in EPA per play on the season without a lot of earlier history to weigh down the career results. Because it looks like it does kind of take into account what you've done in the past. In other words, we're not going to allow a wild swing in some good games this year to overly um, project what you are or under project or whatever. We're, We're kind of balancing that out a little bit. And he doesn't have any because it's his first year. So very cool to see that. I haven't really looked at this much this year because Jordan's been so low in all the rankings and everything else. It's like, I don't need to just keep hammering this. But um, this week, there's a picture of Jordan Love (laughs) on the cover. I saw it in my email. I'm like, well, I I guess I should probably check that out. And sure enough, again, and this falls in line with what I've been saying about, you know, the national media starting to kind of wake up. And it's, it's um, it's not necessarily all in, but it's kind of just like, oh, interesting. I'll, I'll have to make note of that. And that's that's exactly what this is from Kevin Cole, which is more or less not saying I'm all in, but I, I'm noticing because I can't not notice. This guy went from the bottom to now he's in the middle and he's ascending pretty rapidly. And it seems to be pretty solid. It seems to be pretty steady. It kind of makes sense based on this, that, or the other. Like I'll have to keep notice of that, you know? And, and again, some of the stuff we went through on uh, whatever day it was when, you know, they were asked the question, like, who's going to get into the playoffs? It's like the Packers. It's like, actually, now that you mention it, yeah, I think the Packers are going to the playoffs, which two weeks ago felt stupid. We were talking, you know, top five pick, and now two weeks later, we're like, actually, we're probably going to the playoffs, just based on, you know, the easier schedule that we have, the way the Packers are playing, and the the actual competition we have for those final two spots, because we're not going to beat the Lions. I mean, almost impossible for us to take the spot from the Lions unless they go on a massive losing streak, which would be great. But, you know, the the Rams and the Seahawks and whatnot, what, what, first of all, how good are they, but also their schedule. And again, the Seahawks are the ones that would be the toughest competition, but they have the toughest schedule. So people are starting to notice. The final thing I wanted to point out, and I have not listened to the podcast yet, but I'm just going to throw it out there because it segues perfectly with uh, what we're talking about now. Tej Seth, and I've referenced him uh, numerous times as well, a big analytics guy over at Sumer Sports, Summer Sports, however you pronounce it, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure Tej, Tej, however you pronounce his name, is a Lions fan. They did a podcast. Um, it says, new stats and scheme. Uh, Tej and Saeed schemes brings an advanced stats and films perspective, because I think one is a stats guy, one is a film guy, I'm not sure. So it's actually probably a really good podcast to listen to, because it's both. It's The name of the podcast is Stats and Scheme. Anyways, it says, brings in advanced stats and film perspective to week 12, and it says Packers versus Lions, Jaguars versus Texans, Bills versus Eagles. So those are the three big ones they're talking about. But here is what um, Tej says when quote-tweeting it, explaining what they're talking about. It says, on this episode, 
we talked about how bright the Packers' future is with an offensive ranking 11th in EPA per play, and this being the ages of their hopeful core. Jordan Love, 25. Christian Watson, 24. Romeo Dobbs, 23. Jaden Reed, 23. Dontavian Wicks, 22. A.J. Dillon, 25. Luke Musgrave, 23. Tucker Craft, 23. In other words, bro, these are brand spanking new little kids. It's their first year in the NFL for the most part. I mean, first year playing for for Jordan, for Reed, for Wicks, for Musgrave, for Kraft. It's the second year for Watson, for Dobbs. Dylan is the veteran at 25 years old. And so again, a Lions fan coming out and saying, look, I, I don't know what's, what's going to happen, but when you're the 11th best offense in EPA per play and you are a bunch of 22, 23, 24-year-olds, how do you not bet on this team to become a powerhouse? And uh, I think that makes sense. <laughs> but all right, let's let's take a break. We'll come back and we're going in on the Minnesota Vikings. And I was going to try to get some calls, but I think this is what we're going to do today. And that'll be that. So let us take a break. We'll be right back. So we probably should start with prior to the game. What was being said? What was the thought process? And so here are very good friends of the show, One Bar and Lupagus. I always hate doing this with them because I feel bad. I'm like, I don't know if I should use them. They're good dudes. But then they went hard after the Packers, and I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> it's all in good fun. Um, this is the One Bar and Lupagus show. This is a five-minute clip. Well, I'll, I'll trim it down a little bit. But um, the video says, is this a must-win game for the Vikings versus the Chicago Bears? Please like and subscribe. One Bar and Lupagus show on YouTube. Uh, so we got to ask ourselves, is this a six and five Against a real bad Bears team, is this a must-win? Yeah, I think we can stress about how bad of a Bears team this really is. Not a good team. Not a good squad, the Chicago Bears. I mean, it's easy to say. What are you talking about? This isn't a must-win. 6-5. and five. Currently, the Vikings are the sixth seed in the playoffs. My, my, my thing to stress is this is the Bears. And you say they're a horrible team, which is true. They got some good pieces. I think it's more of a horribly coached team. Their coaches are <clears throat> dog Vikings should not lose this game. Yeah, actually, there's a lot of talk when the Bears do lose this game. Everflus could be ousted after this. We just saw Frank Reich get, get fired earlier today, so he could be the next coach in line. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, not a very well-coached team. All right, so uh, let's let's is, is this a must-win for the Minnesota Vikings? Let's answer the damn question. Technically, no, it's not. Because I think even if they lose this game, their playoff chances, their percentage is still very, very high. you got some really bad teams behind you. The NFC South is one team is going to come out of there. And the only team you really got to worry about is this, you know, flopping Packers team that I just, I think these are just last breaths of air uh, for them trying to survive. So uh, technically it's not, but there's reasons why it could be. Yeah, I, I think it is a must win. I think, I mean, the, the, the good thing, Vikings are 2-0 right now in the division, which is, gives us an up. I think the I think the Packers, I just looked at it, Packers are 2-2 two two in the division. So that gives a little bit of a tiebreaker there, but it's a must win. It's the Bears. Can't lose this game. It is a must win just for morale purposes only. We lose yep. this game. We sneak into the playoffs. They go, oh, we lost to the Bears. It, it, it's a must win, 100%. We got to win the game. It's going to happen. It has to happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to be one ornery son of a b- All right, so that about covers it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it is a must win game because the Bears are a garbage, trash, horrible team. Whether it's the players, the coaches, whatever, bottom line is, they really, really suck. And to make matters worse... For the Vikings and their fans, you can't even watch that game and go, 
well, maybe the Bears are better than we thought. Maybe they are actually a good team or they had a good day or whatever. They, they played like crap. They looked awful. So you came into the game saying, we have to beat this team because they're terrible. And then they came out and they were terrible and you still lost. So now we get into the fallout. I'm not going to play this whole thing, but just just to demonstrate that it's a thing out there, I find is is interesting. So I'm just going to play the first few seconds of this. What's going on, Jerome's? Coming to you live from beautiful and scenic Gary, Indiana. And the Vikings are on by this week, but they are going to have some major decisions coming up in terms of what's going to happen at the quarterback position uh, when they play the Raiders in two weeks in Las Vegas. And so that's basically it. And the title is, Who Will the Vikings Start at Quarterback? Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins, or Jaron Hall? Now, th- this is the only slight negative part of this whole thing. And I've mentioned it once. I probably don't need to mention it again, but I'm going to. Josh Dobbs is sort of that cautionary tale of why you don't just look at a guy who had two, three, even four, whatever good games, however many he had, and say, I guess he's a good quarterback or a good whatever. Wide receiver, pass rusher. Even bad players, which I think Josh Dobbs is, can do amazing things. And by amazing things, I mean show up, spend five minutes with the team, step foot on the field with a team that you have no familiarity with, tear up another team, go on to win several games on the back of your performances, and then have one game that is terrible and immediately it's questioning whether or not you should even be the starter over guys like Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. Now, as I've said, Josh Dobbs and Jordan Love are different guys. There is way more reason to look at Josh Dobbs having a few good games and going, yeah, that's going to fall off real quick than there is for Jordan Love. You know, just look where they were drafted, look at their abilities up to that point and, and expectations and all that kind of stuff. Just just throwing it out there. But again, getting back to the main point here, they went from riding high to losing to the Bears and saying, who should we start, Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins, or Jaron Hall after our bye week when we go up against the Raiders? I don't have an answer. There is no right answer. It's not even like the Packers last year was like, should we have Jordan or Aaron? Where it's it's a legitimate question because you've got the Hall of Fame quarterback and technically not eliminated from the playoffs. But also, you know you're going to be moving on from Rodgers and we need to see what we have in Jordan and et cetera, et cetera. This is just, who gives a crap? <laughs> who cares? I guess if you've got a young guy you're trying to develop, like a, a backup or whatever, I don't know who that would be, if it's Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall or what, but maybe give them a shot. Because it's not like, hey, let's give Josh Jobs the rest of the year to see if he could be the guy. You know he's not the You knew the second you picked him up, he wasn't going to be the guy. There was never any doubt that you would be looking for a new quarterback very soon. So that's the thing. Here is Mike Florio talking about the um, Cinderella story that is Josh Dobbs. The Josh Dobbs chariot went full pumpkin last night with four interceptions. I mean, it's two games in a row that the Vikings should have lost handily and still had a chance to win because of that defense, which is getting better each and every week. It's almost like it's almost like the NFC's answer to the Jets, where how much longer can the defense hold up when the offense isn't doing anything? The running game isn't what it needs to be. And last night, the passing game was just a disaster for the Vikings. So not to, you know, pump up the Vikings at all in this, our hour of making fun of them. But it, it should be relatively comforting, I suppose, if you can look at the team and, and genuinely believe that you have a defense. Especially considering you know full well that there's a lot more talent that can be added. I mean, there's 
almost no blue chippers. You could maybe call Daniil Hunter one. I don't know if he still is at this point in his career, but there's there's a lot of room for growth, and they're already a probably a top 10 defense for sure. Now, DVOA has them at ninth, which feels about right. But that would be relatively encouraging to say, okay, we got the defense. We can keep adding some pieces there. We got to find a quarterback to pair with Justin Jefferson. Offensive line is still pretty decent. We'll add a couple more pieces there, and we should be ready to rock and roll. But again, here we sit in just the absolute despair. And honestly, th- this is this is almost sort of payback for last year because they were terrible last year. They were the third best team in the NFC North, which I have said numerous times. Down the stretch, it was not even close. The Packers and Lions were significantly better than the Vikings. But the Vikings went on to beat all of the teams that were not super great. They were all one-score games. They were 11-0 in one-score games, which is unheard of, literally. This year, I think they're like 5-6, and six, which is exactly where you'd expect to be. And look at the difference. But they're, they're just a bad football team. They're just bad. And they're getting a much better taste of who the Vikings really are. Which is weird because it feels like this year when they don't have, you know, they didn't have Justin Jefferson and their quarterback is more an accurate reflection of who they are than last year when they were at full strength. But I think that that's the reality. It's been many, many years since the Vikings have been an actual legitimate threat to anybody. And and to make matters even worse, before we get on to uh, our maybe final clip here, the quarterback situation is not going to get better. I mean, it, it's possible you you hit on an absolute ace, but Kirk Cousins was a good quarterback, man. As much as a lot of Vikings fans hated the guy or whatever, and yeah, he would have issues sometimes. You know, he'd throw a pick at an inopportune. I mean, but unfortunately, that's how quarterbacks operate, dude. That happens. And you got a guy that's been top 10 pretty much the entire time he's been there, sometimes even top five. Odds are you're not moving forward. You're moving backwards. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Anyways, here is a uh, another one of my favorites that we've done a lot of laughing at the enemy with. Uh, again, seems like a really good dude. Make sure you subscribe to his YouTube, show him some love, etc. Purple Pocket Podcast. Here he is. Listen, the Vikings get exposed by the Chicago Bears, man. The trash Chicago Bears. I'm going to tell you, and quite frankly, man, I didn't even want to do a video talking about this game because I'm going to keep it real. This game was very, very frustrating, bro. Like, very frustrating, bro. Like, listen, I'm going to tell you what killed it. First of all, Joshua Dobbs is not him. I, I'm not going to sit here and listen to y'all come on here and be saying, oh, it's just one game, all oh, this, that. Joshua Dobbs is Joshua Dobbs. I, it is what it is. I've been trying to tell y'all what it was, and that's just what it's going to be. All right. Joshua Dobbs is not a good quarterback. He might have a couple good plays throughout a football game, but you better. All right. If you're in the NFL, you better be able to do a couple good plays per game. All right. That's part of being an NFL player. I don't give a damn what position you play. But I'm going to tell you, it's deeper than him, too, though, man. I'm going to tell you, our head coach, bruh, Kevin O'Connell, when it comes to us taking a lead and having the lead and wanting to hold on to the lead, this guy is the biggest you-know-what. I'm telling you, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm saying that, man. This guy is the biggest you-know-what, man. The P word, man. Pushing P. Pushing P, dog. Like, Kevin O'Connell is pushing P the past couple games. Like, bro, let me understand this, right? Because I don't even have to drag this video out, bro. Like, because the, the truth of the matter is this. I mean, the thing that killed the game, besides... 
us, the offense being just, just non-existent, right? Besides the offense being non-existent, the bigger issue was this. Josh Dobbs was having a horrible game. Four picks. Four. Right? And uh, you could say two of them weren't him. They hit the receiver's hand. You got to catch it. I get it. It doesn't matter. He's going to have four picks on his stat sheet. And I don't want to hear nothing else about it. Now, you go down and you get your touchdown, right? Josh Dobbs stepping up in the pocket, making throws on fire, does his little flex, does his little flex. You know what I mean? After he throws the touchdown, confidence spewing out of him. All right. I sat there and I saw it. Confidence spewing out of him. And what do you do? You run a fucking halfback dive back to back. Almost like you told Josh Dobbs, hey, we're doing HB dive and we just going to do it twice in a row. So I don't even need to call in another play on second down because it doesn't matter. We're going to try to run 20 seconds off this clock because that gives us a better opportunity to win the game. And then third down, you try to run some kind of weird screen play or something to the outside. Typical coaching not to lose the game. But yet when you realize that when you do that nine times out of 10, you wind up losing that game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like to be big on numbers, to be big on going and paying attention to detail. I cannot tell, bro. I can't tell because you tried this in Denver and it lost you the game. Like that was the prime prime time to let your quarterback shine bro that's been having a bad game but bounce back when it mattered and put up a touchdown that was the prime time to go and let him throw the dagger in it man put the nail bing, in the coffin but yet you decided to run two halfback dives up the middle and it cost you the football game and i knew that when it happened and then you know what i said it man i told that's k while we were on stream I said, bro, that is that is Kevin O'Connell sticking a middle finger up to Brian Flores and saying, you know what, this is on you, bro. And then he had the and then he had the nerve when they when when we had 12 men on the field, they showed Kevin O'Connell's face and he's going to sit there and act like he's upset. He's going to act like he's upset as if he didn't do nothing wrong. And and you're going to be mad at, at whatever having 12 men on the field. It didn't matter. What we do, give them five more yards. They were already in field goal range regardless off of your mistake. Of what you did wrong. Like, come on, man. We we fought a six and six. I'm gonna tell you right now, bruh. We go in, we we in the bye week. So we're not watching Vikings next week, obviously. And then we gotta come back and play the Las Vegas Raiders. Listen, the Raven the Raiders are not gonna be any simpler, man. And I'm gonna tell you, if you decide to go in there with Joshua Dobbs, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be ugly, man. Be prepared. Be prepared. You know what I mean? Lion King type, man. I told y'all this, man. I told y'all this, man. But, man, drop it down in the comments, man. Vikings get exposed. Once again, we lose a nail-biter last second due to our head coach's mistakes, man. So, anyways, this is the other side of that coin. The, hey, at least you maybe have a defensive coordinator, maybe, maybe. And maybe this is just an angry fan popping off. But we are now getting into, I don't like this head coach territory. He's making bad decisions. He's calling bad plays. He's trying to throw the DC under the bus. And this is what happens when, when you know, things start going south, is that things start going south. There's collateral damage. Now, does any of this actually materialize into anything, or is it mostly just fans being angry or, or nervous about whatever? I don't know. Depends on who the ownership is. If it's the Panthers, he probably gets fired. If it's a more level-headed team, they'll probably be like, no, nah, he's the guy, we just got to get some more help, we'll be okay. Get a quarterback in here. 
But we've reached that level. You know, the Vikings were kind of a surprise Cinderella story and one not just bad, but terrible week. And we're in Josh Dobbs is a joke and we need to replace him with somebody that's an even bigger joke. And we might want to fire our head coach. Like, freaking, that's beautiful. That is music to my ears. So they're not doing well. The Bears fans, despite a win, are not doing well. Vikings fans are not doing well. And I would assume, and maybe we'll talk about it, we'll see. Lions fans, not doing super well. Anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about the injury report, about Aaron Rodgers' impending return, and maybe a little bit about the Lions. We'll see how it goes. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.